Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. It's Doug Cunnington here. And in this episode, we talked to Christy again. This is the July update for the two X income accelerator that rolls right off the tongue. And uh, the revenue, it is down a little bit. And Christy and I were just chatting like, oh, oh my goodness, does this mean you haven't reached your goal or you reach your goal? But I think we'll, we'll talk through it and hear about what was going on in July and maybe some clues why the revenue and income are down in July and if we should panic. So Christy, how's it going today? Hey, it's going pretty well. We have, uh, we've cleared the smoke around here. So I'm feeling like the whole world is just a bit brighter. Very good. Yeah. It's still a little smoky here in Colorado, but I'm hopeful it'll clear sometime soon. So yeah, fingers crossed. I was checking out your, your update here and revenues down. So t- tell me about the revenue and traffic in July and how it compares to the last couple months. Sure. So last month, uh, June ended up being, you know, a high kind of across the board. Um, we were definitely over hundred K in traffic. Um, we had a little bit of that false reporting from the May weirdness, but I would say it was probably one ten, one twelve. Um, and then in June, we finally hit 7,300. So it was the first time I've ever crossed 7,000 for earnings for one month, which was like amazing. So, you know, perspective wise was very happy with where last month landed. And so I was just, you know, like really hoping that July would be the same. And July ended up still very respectful. Um, just respectable, respectable. Uh, but it was just under 6,000 and that was despite the traffic being higher. So our traffic was actually 122,000 for July. So I think I was just hoping that with that level of traffic that I was seeing, that the earnings would follow the way that they had been. And there was actually a dip in earnings despite traffic being really good. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting, especially since traffic is up or was up roughly 10% over the previous month, which I think 122,000, that's the most traffic you've ever had in a month, right? Okay. So you can't complain about that. And it's, it is a little strange that the revenue went down. So upon some investigation, what, what did you determine here? Yeah. So my two biggest programs obviously are Amazon and my ads. And the first place I reached out to was my advertising platform, which is Mediavine, because I wanted to just see like if they were seeing anything funky on my end. Like my initial reaction when everything goes wrong is just like, should I be doing something? (laughs) Right. Which I'm sure is the question you get all the time. This happened. Should I do something or not do something? So I reached out to Mediavine and said, hey, here's what I'm seeing. The traffic looks good. And that was earning me this last month. And here's what I'm seeing now. And they got back to me. They're awesome. I just love their support team. And said basically, hey, this is kind of what we see every July. There's a slump um, because advertising budgets reset the first month of every quarter, which I did know. But I didn't know that they also reset for a lot of businesses whose like fiscal year ends in June or something. Never thought about it. And so they're like, it really resets the budgets come July. So once I heard of that from them, I was way less worried about it. And I was like, okay, ads will probably be fine. They'll bounce back next month. It's fine. Um, The one that ended up being the biggest decrease was Amazon so last month in June, it hit 3,300, which is a high. And then in July, ended up at 2,500. So that's where the majority of the decrease in, in earnings ended up being from. Um, and again, just nothing you can really do, right? There's nothing to do. So it was more just going back. You and I looked back at a couple of past summers and did see that like, yeah, it does kind of dip in July. Like I don't think of my niche as being seasonal, but we do kind of historically see some dip. And I think the, the amount was bigger because my earnings are bigger. So that's kind of what 
initially made me worry. Right. And upon, we didn't go and crunch the numbers, but looking at the graph here, it does look like percentage wise, it's pretty darn close. Mm -hmm. June to July of 2020 um, dropped a little bit and it, it looks about the same when I look at the slope of the line there, it's roughly the same. It's just, you're earning, yeah. you know, twice as much or maybe a little bit more. Right. And the other thing that I noticed is of course, 2020 was weird with COVID. So your ad revenue was really suppressed. And I would say the first two quarters or so. And then as things opened up a little bit more, the companies were spending more on ads coming out of the summer, even you know, even though that's kind of an unusual thing. So you were earning a lot more in Q3 and Q4. And that covered up the fact, really hid the fact that Amazon revenue was down and your site was getting so much more traffic. So that's a hard thing, right? Like as you're going through this growth trajectory over a really long period, things are hidden because of the growth. So I'm like, I mean, I think when you texted me and stuff, I was not too concerned and, you know, I mean, you're, you still hit six K, which is really not bad overall. How many of the fire emojis did I use? I forget. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not that many, but I do require that you calm me down sometimes. It, um, yeah, there's no, there's no help in panicking. So there's no, (laughs) there's not much you can do. Especially with Amazon, you're not going to call. Now, I will caution people because sometimes um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. So I've had multiple people have a similar situation and they think, oh, uh, my Amazon links are all broken. There's some sort of issue with uh, a plugin or something like that. And typically, if you look at the data, if you have enough to to make some conclusions, you'll find that, oh, either it's seasonal or we see this every year mm-hmm. or there's some other evidence. Sometimes, you know, you, you can't find that. Maybe it's mm-hmm. hidden in the data, but usually it's not um, the conspiracy that like Amazon is somehow um, not paying you <laughs> your revenue or something. Well, that it's usually not cross that. my mind, but I'll, I'll add that to my <laughs> list of panic thoughts. Thank you, Doug. So... I'm glad to help and make you more paranoid. Um, well, and a couple other highlights I'll, I'll give here. Um, you hit uh, all-time traffic of over a million and a half. So that's a, a cool stat. Lifetime revenue is over 88,000. So that's pretty cool. And obviously growing at a faster rate, you know, those, the first 12 months were, you know, pretty, pretty small as you were going through the the growth curve, but now it's sort of accelerating and, you know, you're, you're at a point where each month, I mean, you're going to be at a hundred K before too long, which is amazing. So what else went on? Here's the cool, here's the cool stat about the lifetime earnings. That was just an arbitrary number that I was kind of watching for was, that, you know, when I initially started my other business, which is my kind of full-time gig, I had wanted to pay myself $84,000 in a year. Like that was kind of my goal. And so once I hit that number for kind of lifetime revenue of the site, it was just a cool, like mental, like, Oh, that is the same as me paying myself what I would normally make in a corporate life for a year. Like that's real, you know? So it was an arbitrary number for sure, but it was something cool that I was just kind of tracking towards. Very awesome. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at, I know you dropped down to about 6,000, but that's a lot. I mean, that's a full-time salary as well. I can still find things to spend (laughs) $6,000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really impressive, especially, you know, the level of traffic that you're getting, mm-hmm. even though there's seasonality that, that pops up and, you know, things out of your control, like the ad spend of the companies yeah. and how those um, earnings are going to come in or go up or down. But 
you have a lot of traffic, so you're going to be all right. Now, one thing we haven't talked about, and I, I saw a little tick up in, in the graph, was your digital guides, your ebooks. So it looks like you're selling a few more of those. It's, um, you know, the scale of the graph that I'm looking at is uh, it, it's so big because you're earning thousands of dollars, but I actually can see you're, you're selling a few of the digital guides. So how, how's that going? Yep. I think it's going a little bit better because we did add to our drip email sequence. Um, we probably added eight or 10 emails on different topics. So it wasn't like, Hey, here's a course, here's a course, here's a course. Like I didn't want to do that, but it was more like, here's a topic and here's, you know, relevant courses and relevant blogs. So I imagine that some of that helped and, you know, once I get, we'll probably talk about this later, but once my new developer can get into, um, building out the functionality for me to like easily put in calls to action everywhere about different courses, like that's when I kind of expect that to improve the most, right? Like if I can get these promotions into all of my 400 old blog posts, then that's quite a bit more traffic than I'm going to get there from an email or a sidebar graphic or anything like that. So it is ticking up a little bit, which is nice. And I have plans to hopefully sell more of them. How many did you sell? Like seven last month. Okay. And how much does this cost? Like nine bucks. Okay. Nice. One you know, looking back and thinking of the first few months that you were working on the site, you were earning nothing. So the fact that you like created something that's oh, yeah. essentially pure profit. I mean, the margin on that's like 95% or something. I would say. Yeah. This, um, I think I made on paid guides more than I made in the first four months combined. Okay. At the numbers. There you go. Very that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, have you gotten any feedback from the customers at all on those guides or? Um, I had one lady reach out because she wasn't able to download it. And so there was some sort of Shopify thing. And, um, you know, I tried again, resending the email and she was like, Nope, still didn't get it. Please just give me a refund. And instead it was like, no, like here's the file and I'll give you a refund. And then she wrote me back a very nice note about like the content was great. She was learning a lot and that was so nice. And, you know, so that's nice. But, um, so yeah, nothing negative so far. And, uh, yeah, it seems to be going well. Let's talk about expenses a little bit. And I didn't tell you we were going to dive into it, but I know, I think in the beginning of the year, you were planning on investing about 15,000, mm-hmm. um, a- across the entire year. And I see you spent about 750 in July, which, you know, seems like a fairly modest amount, you know, doing, doing the math. But, um, can you talk about some of the expenses, uh, and the, sure. sort of the trend for the year? Sure. Uh, well, I definitely had no issues finding places to put money in the site. That was not a problem as it turned out, uh, for July, it was pretty reasonable, Um, my highest expense bucket was $450 for developer time. Again, that's pretty much none of the developer stuff is things that I had planned on, but it has to be done. Like it is a website. If it doesn't work, there's no point, you know, so it's fine. It's just not a super sexy, fun thing to be spending money on. And then we had a little extra expense for, um, additional content for one of my, the first course that I'm building. So like basically the writer had gotten to our word count limit early. And so I was like, that's fine. We'll throw in an extra 75 bucks and finish out the module. So that was a little expense. And then, um, I'm still, you know, even though the course isn't live because we are building it in there, I'm paying the like 120 bucks for teachable every month. So it'd be nice to have the course out there so that maybe I can start paying myself back for that subscription. But in general, I would say the biggest categories of spending for the year were the initial content sprint I did in like the spring. And then, which I always feel like is a good use of money though. Like I have no problem spending money on good content because our SEO research is good. Like I know it's a good idea and I make that money back. So I feel fine about it. 
Um, and then the bigger ones would be, you know, developer time because developers are expensive and everything seems to take longer. So that's a bigger bucket. And then paying for, um, assistance, building out the courses. So whether it was content drafts or, um, I pay a couple of people on my team to like get it all into teachable to make the kind of journey map for what the content will be. So that was a big expense too. Got it. And what, what was the developer working on or what are they working on? For July? Uh, well, just in general. Oh, yeah. in general. Yeah. yeah. So developer stuff over time would be like building out the um, knowledge directory, like getting that stuff set up, troubleshooting anytime, you know, there's some weird tech thing I can't fix. Things like that. For July, um, most of that time was having the new developer go through all of our plugins and do an audit for what makes sense to keep, what doesn't, what he could probably code into the theme versus use a plugin. So trying to get like the number of plugin conflicts down and the amount of plugins down, which I know it's going to make you happy. So doing that and just doing more of like backend cleanup with fresh eyes, you know, like things I didn't really think about or I'm not seeing because I'm not looking for it. So it's more so like, stabilizing the site for continued growth. Got it. And it's not a super fun thing to spend money on, but then again, I want it to be performing really well, you know, during Christmas season. So right. It does make sense. And it's one great thing with the speed optimization portion, which is related to a lot of what your developer is doing is you can see the stats, like you can see the results and it's very clear analytics. It's not, mm-hmm. oh, is this content better or very subje- subjective thing to judge? It is stats on right. how fast the site loads. And yeah, getting rid and consolidating some of the plugins and taking that code from a plugin that has to sort of run on the fly right. and then put that within the theme or hard code it in you know, when it can be hard coded and that's a better solution. I've had, I haven't done that personally, but I know I've had some friends do that where they went from, you know, 22 plugins to like, right. you know, eight, because there, there were a lot of things that they could just consolidate. And then related to that, from a speed perspective, I, I use mostly the same themes and mostly the same um, like tech stack as far as plugins and, and hosting and all that stuff. But I did have a couple things that were different on niche site project, like a different caching plugin. And I was having issues with the core web vitals, even though niche uh-huh. site project loads in like under Super half fast, a second. Yeah. It, it was still having some of those metrics off and I've, I've, I tried to go and get help from different experts. And some people say, um, like my, my theme creator, he was like, ah, you know, those stats are kind of BS and I don't think Google is too. Uh, like Google is not judging this right. Like when we mm-hmm. tested on other platforms, like mm-hmm. not on the page speed insights, then it performs fine. And in the real world, it performs right. fine. So anyway, I I know that is probably true, but I couldn't get past. And I've had like some, some issues, some more uh, like reports and alerts pop up say, Hey, this is not loading. Right. So I went through the kind of boring process of undoing all of the caching that I had set up. I even paid a developer to do that. At some point I moved to a different CDN. I used a different caching plugin and I think it cleared up a lot of it. And then there was a plugin that I won't throw it under the bus yet. I will probably check with the creator of it before I I do, but I was told Hey, that plugin's pretty heavy and it's probably hurting the the load mm-hmm. speed. So I ran a few tests on niche site project, turning the plugin on and off and having everything else optimized. And it looked like it was something fairly significant. Now, it's significant percentage-wise because niche site project loads so quickly. So 
it might not be a huge deal if your site loads in like two seconds. It would just be, you know, sure. 10% more. But my site's so fast, it was like a 25% issue. So I was like, ah, I'm turning off that plug. And now I can still turn it on when I need to use it if I need mm-hmm. to, but I'm kind of sitting back and I'm like, I don't even know if I need that plugin anymore because it's not doing what I, and I'm being very vague, but anyway, some plugins can really screw up the, the load time and just turning well, it off and testing. And, you know, aside from the, the plugin analysis that we were doing, the other thing that we're doing is switching hosting to flywheel and I ended up having to do like a custom plan with them because what we needed was not part of like a regular plan. Like our traffic level was so much higher, but I only have a single site and you know, whatever. Uh, so my developer worked with them and got like a custom plan built out and it's like a dedicated, I'm not going to use any of the right words, like a dedicated server or something. Sure. That's a, that's <laughs> um, a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. It's expensive. Uh, so I'm going to be paying a lot more for hosting than right. I used to. However, you know, he said basically from a security perspective, from a caching perspective, like it should do all the, the caching for the site through Flywheel now instead of maybe having to use a plugin for that. So there may be some other added benefits to that, like security um, and just like perceived site speed, which he said is kind of more important than even trying to do the tests online, you know, he's like, from a user experience, like you want it to be perceived as very fast and not only should flywheel make it actually faster, but it should make it feel a lot faster Mm -hmm. um, just because of how it loads and how it caches and does all that kind of stuff. So I'm hopeful that once we get that, um, you know, August, it should be pretty much the second half of August that should be up and running. Mm -hmm. So Hopefully a lot of this like backend stuff pays off. Right. And I'm, I'm curious. We, we didn't talk about flywheel. So I have a couple probing questions. Mm-hmm. One is, is your developer somehow an affiliate for flywheel? No. Okay. It surprises me that you needed a custom plan because your site has a lot of traffic, but not, that much. So what, what stuff yeah. needed to be custom? That doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, so that was me initially reaching out to the flywheel team because when I was looking at the plans, I was like, this doesn't make sense. So they had two plans. One was like really tiny. The next one was slightly more traffic for one site, but it wasn't nearly where we were. Mm-hmm. And then the next plan up was 10 sites and a hundred thousand visitors. And I was like, well, I only have one site and I'm getting like 120. So the alternative was getting a plan that's for like 10 sites and not enough traffic or going up to like an agency plan. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. So basically he went in and looked at the stats of what we use with like Bluehost and all that stuff and then got the amount of storage and whatever. Mm -hmm. And said, this is where our traffic level is. Um, so, okay. Okay. And, and, um, so I'm hoping the, the big thing, right. Cause who cares if it's a custom plan, right. It's easy for them to configure that. Right. Um, so hopefully you're paying between like a hundred to $150 a month. Yeah. It'll be like 120, I think. Perfect. Okay, great. Cause I was, that's like a lot more than Bluehost, which is kind of, you know, bottom of the right. line, you kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, and I was going to say, I dislike Bluehost and I don't use them anymore. Don't really recommend them, but I did have, I mean, they have higher end packages that are like exactly what you had. Um, but the thing is when you're migrating to a different plan, even within the same hosting company, it's pretty much like moving to a new host. They'll right. say they'll migrate it for free, but like everything fucking breaks anyway. So like your right. email breaks and like other things will have to be changed anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much the same, even though they say, well, hey, we'll, we'll move yeah. it for you. Yeah, sure. Anyone will move it for you. Who cares? So, right. So I'm, you know, I'm just kind of waiting for like the site speed company and the developer to confirm that it's all moved. Um, 
but like the caching thing specifically, he was like, we're not going to have to probably use a plugin for that anymore because Flywheel does a great job of that. And, um, they make it really easy for him to have like a staging site and do all that stuff that hasn't been done before, which is part of the problem of how we've been doing development before. So doing things just a little more legit on the back end, that's kind of the space we're in now. Cool. That sounds good. And I'm glad that's like right in the, the price range that I was expecting. Okay, so I would be worried if you're like, I paid 40 bucks and I'd be like, Oh no. No. When you, you know, when you're getting more traffic, like you just, you right. got to pay a little bit more. And I know for the two hosting companies that I use SiteGround and MDD hosting, MDD is a smaller sort of like smaller shop overall, mm-hmm. not a, a huge number of employees or anything like that. But I, I, I like them and I actually host more sites there than on SiteGround. But for both SiteGround and MDD, you have the ability to start with a plan like the one that you were looking mm-hmm. at that was roughly in the the right range. And, you know, you, you can put up to 10 sites, but you could just put one if you want to, which I think probably flywheel mm-hmm. is the same. But then if I know that, let's say I want to have a little bit more capacity, I can just a la carte add more processors like mm-hmm. CPU cores or memory, which I've done. So I'm like, Oh, like th- this plan seems to be fine. I don't need too much bandwidth. I don't need too much storage, but I know that I want to be able to like handle enough capacity. So I'll upgrade certain pieces. And I know at least for SiteGround, you can set it up to on the fly add more resources. So during the high season, whatever it may be for you in retail season, when you hit say, I'm, I'm sort of making this up, but it's roughly the right idea. When you hit like 90% of the CPU capacity, mm-hmm. you can add another two cores and then it'll just charge you once those are added. So for most of the year, you maybe wouldn't need all that like processing power, but then you definitely need it. And maybe you need like twice as much. So it will add more and automatically configure. And I think it's like throttle. That's right. It'll automatically throttle. And it it works great. Well, I know that they do something like that for visitors, like for the amount of traffic, like there's an incremental charge. If you go over, you know, every thousand, thousand visitors or something like that, because you can never know exactly what it's going to be anyway. And you don't want to routinely pay for way more than you need. So okay, a bit of a guessing game, but awesome. And how, how did you find flywheel? So flywheel got bought by, um, clap. No, got bought by anything. Oh, WP engine. Okay. I think brought them. So WP engine is what I use for my main business website separately. So I knew about them and I know they're kind of top of the line. Um, but then flywheel was suggested to me by the new developer and the site speed company. And they were basically like, they bought it. It's using the same types of, you know, backend stuff, but it's a little bit faster in this way and that way, whatever. Oh, cool. Okay. I may have to check it out because I haven't, um, it's, it's good to occasionally, uh, start a new site on a new hosting company. So I may check it out cause I haven't heard of them and the, like, I'm just looking at their page and it looks like they have, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty mm-hmm. good overall. So let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Ezoic leap is a new product that they have. It's replacing the old site speed accelerator and they're getting rid of the old subscription model that was with the old product. So now Leap is free. It's 100% free to Ezoic monetization customers. And basically, it's a robust tool set that works perfectly with the Ezoic cloud to deliver core web vital friendly ads. That is a mouthful. So I think I messed up on the cadence, but you get the idea. The thing is here, Leap is for core web vitals. It's more than just another optimization tool. It's an entire tool set that eliminates the need for expensive plugins, technologies, and analytics. All right, let me say it again. 
it eliminates the need for those expensive plugins. I know a lot of people will push specific plugins. A lot of them have uh, really annual fees, but again, Leap is included if you're using the Ezoic monetization. And basically, it makes it possible for all sites using Leap to pass the core web vitals. And the thing is, if you show ads on your site, it's probably going to load slower. But the thing is, Core Web Vitals and Leap, they work together well here. So the Ezo at Cloud works with Leap to deliver server-side ads along with the entire page via the new Ezoic Edge so that everything passes Core Web Vitals. This feature is limited to sites integrated with the Ezoic Cloud and it's not available anywhere else. But the thing is, Leap is awesome. They sponsor the show. Ezoic's great to work with. I've been working with them for a few years. So if you are concerned, if you need help with your core web vitals, check out Leap. It could be the right thing for you to do. Very cool. All right. We went down a rabbit hole on that one a little bit, but yeah. so w- well, that's what else? Well, that's kind of how I feel like the summer went. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, yep. hopefully you'll be done with it. Okay. So you were also planning on launching your course. And I know with all the things going on, we pushed it off and that that's the right move. Instead of stressing out, I'm sure you could have stopped doing anything fun all summer and actually completed it. But where are we at now? Yes. So I got a note about two days ago that all of the draft content now lives in teachable, which is great. So the next step is on me to go back and review it all. So I've never seen it all in the tool yet. Um, So go back through there, look at that. And then my team that I already like prepaid for their help on the core stuff will be doing things like making the sales landing page draft, making some emails, um, you know, kind of doing all the supporting stuff while I can dig into the content and make sure that, you know, I do all my last minute tweaks and my edits and all that kind of stuff. And then hopefully add in a few like supplemental resources like worksheets or things like that. So the funny thing I think is when I think back to when you and I were talking about it and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do like a mini course. And you're like, what even is that? And I was like, well, you know, so maybe like four, yeah, four modules and four lessons each. And it'll be like pretty small. Like there's so much content in this thing now that I'm just like, this is like a full this is a full thing. Like, what was I thinking? There's no such thing as a mini course. Like, or if there is, this isn't it. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, but it is a lot of content to be going through. So it'll take me a little while, but it does all exist now, which is very good. That is good. Yeah. And I think, I, I probably threw out something like mini course or, I mean, other people obviously use that term, but you have like your flagship courses, which mm-hmm. are, you know, eight, 12 week courses, very comprehensive. And the way it was defined to me was those are like transformational courses. Those right. will teach you something that is transformational. Like mm-hmm. you can do some big stuff with all that information. The, courses, not many courses, but other courses might just be a piece of what is in a huge course. What this is, you know, but I just, it's quite a bit heftier than I had envisioned. Right. And do you have like any handle on like how many tens of thousands of words of content? Um, By the way, is it a video course or is it just a written course? No, it's written, but I have so I don't know how I feel about this, but I also pulled in some YouTube videos from others as part of the content, um, which I think is fine. You know, it's like videos that I'm never going to make. So I think that's okay. Um, but all the content itself is original. And I think it's like 16 to 18,000 words, maybe total about a thousand words per lesson four lessons each, four modules. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that, that sounds absolutely fine. You, and I think maybe when I was suggesting like a size, I think I probably said, I mean, 
groups of three are fantastic, right? Like our, some, our, our brains work that way. So three units with three lessons each, like those are very approachable and not too big. So it's dangerous, right? You want to like over deliver, but at the same time, not overwhelm. And I think the online course world, like went through that where they're, they're like, all right, we're giving you all this stuff. And then we're giving you all these recordings and then, and then you get the bonuses, all these other courses. And you're like, I don't even know where to start. And sometimes it's better just to like strip it down to exactly what you need and not anything more than that. So that's pretty cool overall. Um, when do you think you'll be able to like launch it and and try to make the first sales push? Yeah. So just knowing how long it takes me to get through content. Now, luckily I've already been through the content once before I gave it to them. So it should be pretty close. Um, more so this time I'm just going through to be like, would this make sense from a fresh eyes person who's never been here? Like, are you going to get where we're going? You know, like that's kind of where I want to be this time, but I'm hopeful that the content should be buttoned up within maybe two weeks. And in the two weeks that I'm doing that, I would like the team to have, you know, at least like landing page, email drafted, all that stuff. And I'll probably make you look at it. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Just in case. And I have no idea what to charge for it. So we'll have to talk about that too. Okay. What's your gut right now? I have no idea. I don't know what to do. (laughs) I mean, the good part is that I have, you know, the knowledge directory, which has 60 courses in it now. So like we have things to compare it to, but the prices in there are like all over the board. Like there's courses for 40 bucks. There's courses for, you know, $600. So, I mean, at some point I also need to get out of it what I've put into it. Otherwise, what's the point? So it can't be 40 bucks. Right. Yeah. It's got to be in the couple hundred bucks range at least. Okay. So there's a couple ways to do it. We'll just hit like a little bit that you can think about. So with courses, one option to help you get testimonials is to have sort of a beta launch where you discount it and you let people know, Hey, you're the first ones through it. There could be some mistakes. There, there probably will be some things that I need to tweak. Typos. Yep. You got typos. Potentially someone can say, you know what? This section, it, it seems to not make sense. And I I would love more information. So you Mm -hmm. may need to go in there and add another lesson or, uh, bridge a couple topics together that, you know, maybe it makes sense to you and I don't notice it and it makes it through and you'll get feedback. And in that way, right. People like a deal, you can also let them know, Hey, you're getting it at a discount. And I really, you know, would need and love your testimonial. And then that's part of the marketing Mm -hmm. material that you will need to have, you know, you won't have that up front. Um, so I think that's usually a good way to do it. It it relieves some of the pressure, especially for you. (laughs) You won't have to have it perfect. Would you do that with specific people or are you throwing that out there as like, you're sending an email to everyone and you're like, there's early bird access to it. Like I was thinking more like I would handpick a few people that have written for us or, have their own audience that I might do like a sponsored email through later. Like, is that okay? You can do either one of those. So it's great to have like the influencer type Mm -hmm. people because their testimonial will carry more weight. And then psychologically, like they're more likely to promote your product in the future. So that's a, that's a great way to approach it. The other, the other thing is it's, it's better to go ahead and start charging people. So you know that someone wants to pay money for Mm -hmm. it and you're getting over that little hurdle too. You've already started to sell some of the guides. So, you know, some Mm -hmm. people are happy to buy your products, but when people actually like pay you for the thing and it's not 
insignificant, right? It's like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. the beta is a hundred dollars, right? Someone right. is thinking about spending a hundred dollars. Like there's not too many people who will just, you know, throw it away and not think about it. So there's a lot of value in that and getting that higher dollar transaction. What do you think about, so like our diversity program that's been, I think very successful in getting more diverse voices and imagery on the, on the blog, like doing a special for that group of folks that is like tangentially involved in the site, but they're not, I would say like niche influencers necessarily, but doing maybe something special for them and sending it out. Cause that's a smaller group. That's like 30, 30 people maybe. Right. Yeah. Um, and have them pay something less. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, it's, uh, the good part is, because they have worked with you, like there's, Mm -hmm. they have sort of some buy-in and interest in working with you. So yeah, I mean, I I don't think, Mm -hmm. I think that would be fine. And there's a lot of, I mean, that would be fine. I would have no issue with that. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, they, they were featured on the site somehow and have, I mean, it's just a little bit warmer approach, I guess. Right. Yeah. And that is totally fine. I know some, some people that I know have launched in that way where they cherry picked like 15 people that they knew were Mm -hmm. interested and had maybe a deeper relationship, gave them like a 50% discount and then got the testimonials. And it's, it's the only way, right? You can read over everything as many times as you want and you can have several other people, but until actual customers go through it that paid money for it. Like you won't get the actual feedback that you need. Well, and the other thing I was thinking is, um, teachable obviously has the built-in affiliate. Like you can make affiliates within it easily. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that's probably the same group of people that I would want to encourage to be affiliates. So maybe I could kind of combine those messages a little bit you know, here's a discount. Also, you know, if you like going through the course and you think it's valuable, like we'd love to have you as an affiliate sending out emails or do it, you know, doing whatever. Cause I think the more affiliates we can get the better, right? No downside. Yeah. As long as there are people that you like. Right. So, and they align with like your, mm-hmm. your brand and everything, but yeah, it would only be people that we've already Right. So perfect. Yeah. So I think that's some couple options to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's no like one way to do it. So most of the things that you mentioned, I mean, I have also seen, and I've done this myself where I've, I've launched something to my whole list Mm -hmm. and it was a, a beta and then a handful of people hopped in. I usually will put more constraints on that. Like, it's only available for a shorter time or a cap number of seats because you know, you also don't want the beta to, so you can say, Hey, I only need, uh, you know, 15 and then knowing, you know, half of the people are not going to go through it. And then at least you're going to have some testimonials, which like I said, that's going to be important for the sales material, Mm -hmm. both the emails that you're selling out and the actual sales page. Yep. Yep. Okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it should be fine. I mean, the hardest part is like, um, just shipping it. And like I said, don't worry about getting it perfect because Mm -hmm. you'll need the feedback from the actual people going through it. Mm -hmm. So get it as good as you can. And then know that you're going to have to go back to it and Mm -hmm. iterate a little bit. Hopefully not too many revisions, but I mean, there, it's never going to be quite perfect, um, right. but you can get a pretty, I mean, I think it'll be pretty good when you first ship it anyway. Well, and my thought on like videos and things like that, like, you know, that I'm like, that just is not part of my dream. Um, but I agree. It would be nice to have in a course and something I could chew off at some point. So I would be thinking like, how do I go through in the next year and replace the videos that I've pulled in from others with things that are original. Right. But for now it just seems like, well, why wait 
And sometimes it really is helpful to have a visual, but these things already exist. So where they already exist, I'm going to use them for now. Yep. And I think that's totally fine. Okay. All right. And last thing, I guess, last question here. Um, You noted the summer slump. So let's hear about that. I mean, I think a lot of people with quarantine and I mean, shit goes on all the time. So yeah. yeah, How's this hit you? Yeah. So we, we did talk about it a little bit, just like, I think the, the May downturn of like thinking half our traffic was gone and just like, that was probably the most stressful. I know it was, it was the most stressful 30 days of my couple years long site journey. So that just like really tarnished May for me because it was so stressful and I didn't know what was wrong and I didn't know how to fix it. And I was like, I'm not qualified for this. Like, this is not where I, (laughs) this is not my jam. This is not my thing. So May was tough. Um, June was somewhat better because we got, you know, the analytics fixed and I felt like all the traffic wasn't gone and, you know, that kind of stuff. So like there was recovery and the earnings turned out to be awesome, which like did lift my spirits. Um, but then I think, you know, having hit my, my two X revenue goal once, which was to get past 7,000 in a month, you know, doing that for the first time in June, like made it kind of emotionally hard to not sustain that level in July, which maybe I should have anticipated because the seasonality, but I really didn't like that was not on my mind. So I think just like these couple of months where it's just a lot of this like back end techie cleanup, like buggy issues, like things not going the way that I wanted or anticipated spending money on, like that's just kind of a bummer. You know, so I don't want to be a downer about it, but it's also like, that's going to happen. So I kind of want to just say that that's what happens. And you're not always going to go home every day and feel like working on your site for four hours a night. Like there was definitely a part of my life in like the spring when that was what I was doing. I was super pumped about it all the time. You know, that's was not my experience in July. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was eventually kind of like, that's fine. That should be fine. Because the whole point is that I shouldn't have to work on this every day if I don't want to, or if I'm doing something else, like that's the whole reason I built it. It's the whole reason like it has ads on it, right? Like it should be running by itself on the days when I am just like not in the mood. So I think just like giving myself a little bit more permission to do, you know, good work when I'm in the zone to do it. And on the weeks where maybe something went wrong with the site or I have to spend money on developers or whatever, like just let that mess go. It's, it's fine. You know, and if you didn't make tons of progress on your horse that week, well, that's just how that goes sometimes. So it's more of a mental exercise for me. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, there's ups and downs and sometimes, I mean, so much of everything is out of your control. I mean, I was chatting with um, a friend who he's still at a corporate job, but he's been laid off three times in the last six years. And he was, you know, top performer, really good, worked at, you know, really huge companies. And, he's not laid off for performance issues. He's still performing really well. Um, but he, he was calling me to find out what the heck I've been doing and like how he can do the same thing. Cause he doesn't want to deal with more right. layoffs. So again, just things outside of your control, but at least with this, you know, you own the success or failure, right. any decision you make, like it's your own. You don't have to go to a boss or someone to, to check to see if you can do. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, you and I talk about not being built for corporate life anymore. Like we used to be like, we used to be really good at it and we could do it. And now that we've been out for years, you know, like I do not have it in me anymore. So the worst day of managing the site is still like, 
50 times better than me thinking about going to an interview somewhere. Like, nope. 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 Yeah. It's so, it's so funny. And we were, we we're chatting before we started recording. And even if I, like, even if we were working at a super cool, like mm-hmm. tech company, maybe, maybe it was like a, a keyword research company, right? Something <laughs> we're at least into a little bit and like we have some mm-hmm. expertise on, like even that I would start throwing up in my mouth when they talk right. about I can't, statement. I can't even think about it. Like I get this like physical <laughs> reaction to even thinking about it. Right. Like, yeah. And I think like the biggest thing for me when I, cause I have friends too, who all like talk about wanting to leave their jobs and that, you know, but most people don't. And that's fine for some people, if that's not what they actually want to do or, you know, they just think that going out on your own is more risky. And I think it is the reverse, right? Like, like your friend, like no one's going to lay me off ever. Right. right? And if I have a problem with what I'm making, the time I'm spending, like I can change it and I don't have to ask anyone. And it just seems so much less risky to me now that I'm out here on my own than waiting to see if someone gives me a raise. Like, no, I want to make more money. I can go learn about niche sites and, you know, figure out how to do SEO and then make a business out of it. Like, okay. And I think better option to me. That is like on the, on the grander scale. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Mm -hmm. Now we're, well, we're egotistical enough. Like I think we're self-aware to, to see it that way, but we believe in ourselves. Like you've mm-hmm. started two like significant businesses. One, mm-hmm. um, you know, your, your, your day job that you're, I would say, well, I don't know, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but you're fairly detached from like these days. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've started a, a big business there and then you've branched off to do something different, a little bit more, um, something you're passionate about. And then, you know, I've started a few things myself and now I'm like, Oh yeah, you could just start another thing, combine mm-hmm. the skills, come up with some new idea. And we, we've gotten over that like self-limiting belief. Like we think we can do a lot more things, which turns out uh, most everyone can do a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Like I really, I get so happy when, you know, this has probably happened 10 or 12 times. Like people that have come to me for advice do quit and go start their own thing. And like, I'll tell them everything I did wrong. I'll tell them all the systems I use. Like I'll tell them everything I can to skip, as much of the gross mistakes as possible, but like none of them have gone back. Right. So I just like, that fills me with joy. Like I need to run some business where I help people quit their jobs. Yeah. That could that's be, yeah. Passion, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I, uh, indirectly I ended up doing that. Right. So. Right. Very cool. So All right. I just, yeah. Like even, even the slump like is so far superior to, a normal day in my life 10 years ago. So no regrets at all. Well said. Well, good job this last month and persevering through the, the summer time. And I know there were a couple issues here and there, but I think you're on the other side now. So, um, next month, I think we'll probably record in person. So that'll be exciting. And, um, thanks. Really appreciate it. Christy. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it.